Before we start this podcast, I want to definitely remind you of a sponsor for Fresh of the Word, 20 by 20 Apparel. Founded in 2015, 20 by 20 Apparel brings original tributes to pro wrestling's classic arenas, moments, and events. They look to spotlight the bloopers, bleeps, and body slams along with the biggest, smallest, strangest, and strongest. In a world of wrestling where there's hundreds of shirts, promotions, flyers, social media accounts, and ads, don't get lost in the sea of parody shirts and display fonts. They can provide professional graphic design services at a reasonable price. 20 by 20 also hand screen prints all the tees in-house. So if you'd like to discuss a possible run of tees, posters, koozies, foam fingers, or even Zubaz, then drop them a line at 20by20apparel.com. That's the number 20x, the number 20apparel.com. And also check out their enamel pin line. It's super cool. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know. You suckers bummy, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll. Your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though. We see your kicks and we laugh and yell about it though. You see me shining like a suit on puffy. You know my grindin' shit is too strong, buddy. That's why the dude call money. I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all. Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably something to y'all. Trying to smoke like me, then come and fuck with your dog. Got a closet full of kids, you can't cop it tomorrow. And I'm fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my essence. Bitch, you see the way I'm rapping? Yes, I do this shit to death. I tell I'm running out of breath. I tell somebody cut a check. But either way, you know it's fresh. But either way, you know it's fresh. Fresh. We fresh. 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 Welcome to the Fresh of the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier, and this is episode 183. And our guest for this episode is Troy Jeffrey Allen, who is a comic book writer and a member of the consumer marketing department for Diamond Comics Distributors. They're the biggest distributor of comics in the world. You might have seen him in the Previews World Weekly videos on YouTube. Love being a contributing writer for a variety of online publications, a co-creator at Rexo Comics, and he's also in charge of marketing for the Urban Action Showcase. Troy Jeffrey Allen shares with us the best avenues for reaching comic buyers and about the importance of pre-ordering comics through comic shops. We also talk about how the comics business works in regards to how comics are distributed, the parallels between comic books and the vinyl industry and music, reaching out to different types of casual audiences, along with comic books history in regards to minority representation. All right, let's get on to the interview with Troy Jeffrey Allen. Go ahead and uh, introduce yourself and just kind of uh, give us a like, you know, breakdown of, of what you do over at Diamond. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, this is Troy Jeffrey Allen with uh, PreviewsWorld.com, um, a.k.a. Um, a subdivision of Diamond Comics Distributors. Uh, my job is consumer marketing, and uh, my role is basically to make sure that the, uh, the people get comics in their hands and the people know exactly what type of comics that they uh, are out there and try to like help them find the right comic for themselves and just, you know, in general, spread the gospel of comic books. And on top of that, I self-publish comics because everyone in comics has a side hustle. So, Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> See, I'm, you know, mostly my background has always been um, music. You know, I was a music journalist. Um, okay, cool. Came from like um, 
like the hip hop scene here in Detroit. Um, mm-hmm. So I kind of like always think about things from like the music industry sort of point of view. So when like the past, like every once in a while I used to, I'd buy some comics here and there over the years, but it's been mm-hmm. the past like maybe year and a half that I've been like doing like the hardcore, like mm-hmm. buying of stuff, going to uh, conventions, you know, stuff like that, you know, and for a while there, I was just like, yo, I, yo, this kind of works. There's, this is kind of weird to me the way some of the stuff works because I'm used mm-hmm. to music industry stuff. But mm-hmm. I found like, you know, after a while, I kind of understood it. Um, one of the main things, I, how I learned about like what comic book stores do and how they deal with comics and ordering comics and what like Diamond does, a lot mm-hmm. of that I learned through. Um, a po- the podcast um um super skull um that uh the vault oh, okay. of midnight guys do yeah 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 uh, yeah actually i've been to the store before i've done signings there yeah so like yeah. i learned a lot about uh what you know how things are distributed through there and i was like for a while i was like yeah man why do you know you know dude why are they always like you know harping on pre-ordering these comics for mm-hmm. like so long and stuff and then I, I i i realized i'm like oh that's how they you know they get you know how many they want to actually purchase and yeah. that's like and these things aren't in print for a long time and right. there's like all yeah, these yeah, things yeah. man i'm like oh, oh okay this is like totally like different than like music industry crap you know like music industry mm-hmm. like boom and like you you're you're printing off like thousands and tens of thousands of cds or something right like they're just there you know comics no, it's funny <laughs> yeah, yeah no go ahead well no i was gonna say it's funny that you like especially that you mentioned the music industry because like an ongoing talking point of mine uh within marketing is that like we need to kind of look at what the vinyl side of the music industry has done in recent years and yeah. try to like try to capture that because i think that like you know i mean you know the music industry had a, a tough go at it in the late 90s early 2000s and pretty much people had declared uh and after that people pretty much declared vinyl dead but now like they have like record store day like yeah. you know what i mean and like there's this like resurgence of collecting that I think whatever that mentality is, whatever that thing is that the the world of like vinyl has tapped into, comics probably could tap into as well. So I, yeah, it's really interesting that you brought that up. Yeah, I think like what, what's what's your what you kind of uh, you know touched on it, but you know what do you, what what parallels do you see with what you know the vinyl is doing with what comic books? You know, because I I always feel like you know there you know there's always new technologies that came out to sort of like consume a lot of things but then mm-hmm. after a while you you kind of like there's certain people that just kind of get sick of it and mm-hmm. there's certain t- there's certain subcultures of it all that they want something in their hands or they want to like have a tangible item in their hands right. and stuff like that mm-hmm. so what parallels do you see between like vinyl and comics um i think you know i i think that like what vinyl has done is like they've kind of made They've, they're appealing to collectors, right? But they're also kind of giving you a premium experience. Um, and uh, like, uh, I'll give you an example. Like, I own um, uh, one of Aesop Rock's vinyls. Um, damn, I think it was the last one he released. Yeah. Uh, but like, the cool thing is, the cool thing about this, the Impossible Kit, 
Um, and so the cool thing about it is like when I opened it, this is actually kind of my, this was kind of my aha moment. Like it came with a trading card and a digital download and it had a die cut cover and um, like a fold out, a fold out poster that had the lyrics on the inside of it. And like, it's giving you this premium experience, you know what I mean? Right. And so it's rewarding you for being a collector. And I think that like, I think that that's, that's a parallel that comics did in the nineties. Um, that I think that like now we could probably potentially optimize now if you know of course you have to give all the publishers on board with this concept which is hard <laughs> right. you know pretty pretty difficult but like you know this this just creating an experience you know like I think and I think that's what vinyl is actively doing is like it's creating an experience like we have they have uh, I can't I don't remember the exact name of it. it's like record record store day yeah 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 um, and um, we have free comic book day you right. know uh, and I think that like you know there's probably a way to give people similar experiences because I know when you go to record store day, you're getting that premium experience. You're getting like, you know, not only are you there to buy uh, existing stuff, but you're probably getting like, you know, samples and like EPs and all yeah. this other stuff that yeah. like really gives you like uh, really rewards the collector basically. Right. And I think that the, those parallels are pretty clear. And like, I think that like comics could do more of that. Actually, I will say this though. DC is trying to do something like that right now. Um, they're doing that with the DC Black Label, and like I actually have come to really appreciate the DC Black Label. I don't know if you're familiar with that, or yeah, I'm familiar um, with it. I really, I haven't, I haven't read any of the the titles on it, but I'm definitely familiar with what they're doing. Yeah, like I think, like I, I would recommend Batman Damned. Yeah, like um, I would definitely pick it up. They had that whole Batwang controversy like a couple <laughs> months back, but it's really unfortunate. The unfortunate thing about that is DC was trying to give readers a premium experience that was for collectors, and like really kind of uh, 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 you know just make this sort of like make a create a, a almost pinky out comic book experience for for people that want to like have that, and it's really unfortunate that like the Batwang thing kind of overshadowed what was like this really cool like concept that they're continuing to do. But it's like, it kind of sucks that like, uh, uh, that, you know, that, that, that little goofy controversy <laughs> overtook right. like what, what the overall point of it was, you know? Right. So, but I'm glad they're still doing, it. I'm glad they haven't shied away from it. And I actually think it's kind of great that they, again, for the collectors that they, didn't, that they, uh, altered the digital version. But if you got that print version, then you kind of got the original version of that first issue of Batman Damned. So, yeah, I just I, I think that, that there's something to that that I think comics should be tapping more into. And, and I think what, in regards to comics, comparison to music, I, I feel like a lot of people that are doing it on their own, maybe like the sort of Kickstarter culture, they're doing a lot more of the experience because you get a lot yeah. of these goodies if, they, if you hit the stretch goals and stuff. Where oh, yeah. I... I I've, in the music kickstarters that i see like mm -hmm. i'm like after after doing after like pledging to like comic book uh, kickstarters i see these music ones and i'm like i'm bored with it <laughs> <laughs> right yeah yeah cuz it's like uh all right you get the cd a vinyl maybe a t-shirt and i'm like mm -hmm. All right, this is all right. This is cool, but right. I, I mean, it's all the stuff that you get from a live show, right? I'm <laughs> just like, right. but the comic book kickstarters are like super fun to like be a part of, and mm -hmm. it would be cool if there, yeah, like you were saying, there was more of an experience with uh, the yeah. you know the bigger publishers. Yeah, 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 and like I again, I got to give credit where credit's due. DC is actively trying to do that with the BC Black Label, and like I hope it 
continues on. I think it's cool that they're going to fold in some of the older stuff, like the Vertigo titles and like the All-Star titles and make it part of that label as well. And like, yeah, I, I can't recommend it enough. Like I actually read Batman Damned one through three on the plane. And I was like, I, you know, it's, you know, I, like I, I come from a generation of people that like, you know, reading comics <laughs> for lack of a better term, reading comics is kind of like, you know, masturbating. Like you didn't do it in public. Right. Like <laughs> you nerd. Know? Leave nerd over there. Uh, reading comics. <laughs> uh, why don't you go, uh, where's your pocket protector at? Uh. Right. Exactly. You're like, you know, it's like something. And like, I still have that, like that weird, like thing about like reading comics in public. But here I was reading like this three issue series on a plane. Yeah. Like, you know, and it's because of how it looks and how it feels and you just want to break it out. And like, you know, truthfully, and actually funny enough, I think because I book, I, uh, I uh, read the book um, and like in public, uh, a guy next to me on the plane or across the aisle from me on the plane was like, are, are is that a comic book? I'm like, yeah, it is. Like, he's like, oh, are you going to San Diego Comic Con? I'm like, yeah, I am. Like, you know, like it had it, it started a conversation. Right. You know, and like when, you know, truthfully. When when does when do comics these days start a conversation that isn't about like garbage, <laughs> you know, like isn't about controversy or or someone's beef with somebody else or like right. some that nonsense, you know? But like for someone to actually approach me on a plane and be like, "Is that a comic book?" and me being like, "Yeah, it is. It's Batman, damn, just like just came out like a couple months ago." I'm actually talking about the comic itself. Yeah, you know. So yeah, it's just it's 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 necessary. I think comics need this right now. And that that kind of reminds me of something like, as someone with you know as a fan, as a creator, and as someone who has a job in comics that whose job is to reach the people, like what like when when those sort of interactions happen, like what is your like sort of how do you go about connecting with people in the public when maybe just they're just like they're not even like comic book fans or regular comic book people you know how how do you feel like you know what needs to happen or how do people how should people who are reading comic books like like connect start those conversations that people who maybe not are you know really into it or aware of what's going on you know, continue mm-hmm. those conversations? Um, you know, I think that like, uh, my, my, I can only speak from my personal experience and I've tried to like, you util- like kind of like turn that into like a, a, a strategy in general. But I think the biggest thing you could do is just open the damn book in front of people. Like, you know, like I've seen, uh, like so often a lot of what we get is just covers. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you'll go to Newsarama or CBR and like, yes, they give you interior art, but there's always like this barrier to entry where it's like you have to get on the site and then click some media viewer and then flip through it. And on top of that, you even, you have to know what this book is in the first place. You even want to go to the site itself, you know? And so what I've been doing, cause I also handle our social media accounts on, um, uh, handle our social media accounts for previews world is like, I just get into the interior art and like, I just start throwing the interior art of these books up on like online on Twitter, on Facebook or Instagram. Like, you know, sometimes I'm not even taking like the JPEGs or the PDF files. I'm like actually opening them like, you know, and just snapping photos of them after I've read them, like, or while I'm reading them sometimes. Yeah. And I think that makes a huge difference because we forget this is a visual medium. And I think in the last couple of years, I, you know, I love comic book writers. Like, I, 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 comic book writers are my anchor. 
Like if I want to follow something, I'm like I'm going to follow the writer, not necessarily the character. Yeah. But I think in the last couple of years, that's kind of like created this weird, uh, this weird thing where like the writers have become more important than than the artists, and we kind of have to remember that. Yeah. Comics are a visual medium, and as much as we want to poo-poo the Todd McFarlane's and Rob Liefeld's of the world, and like you know, like what the industry happened to the industry in the '90s and all this other stuff, you have to understand that. The, the like the reason people were being drawn in and the reason that those those sales and those numbers were so huge is because the art grabbed people's attention first. Yes, yes. You yes. know? And like I you know, and I think that that's that's probably the biggest key there is like you just open the damn book. Like, you know, show people what you're reading. Like, you know, like I I you know, not to whack my finger at creators, but I see so many creators on Twitter, on Instagram talking about everything else but their own comic book. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and it's just like it's so crazy to me because I'm like, you have this artist involved, you have this per- this creator involved, and they do great work, but like, no one's seeing it because you're talking about 19 other things that are going on in the world, but not your own work. You know? <laughs> right. That, that's. A, there's been a lot of creators that I've met over the past year and a half. You know, through doing uh, this podcast and going to Comic-Cons, people I've become friends with. And and in that community, what I like is that they definitely talk about their own work and everybody that's involved and those mm-hmm. people. Who, and then those same people when they do other things outside of their own work, you know. So there's this nice support system between each other mm-hmm. because like you were saying, there's there's these like this weird thing where the writer becomes you know, has become more important in some circles as the artist. And there's a stupid debate between the artist. What's more important, the artist and the writer. And mm-hmm. like, that's a stupid debate. And then you also have, you know, people that are forgotten, like the colorist and the letter, all that yeah. stuff yeah, is yeah. so important. Like there, like, and like, there's been so many books that I've bought just yeah. off of the art, you know, and it, yeah. and, it and it turned out to be a good story also, but the mm-hmm. art really grabbed me. And, Right. Definitely, like, like those conversations, you know, need to be. That I feel like that's something that needs to be a part of, like, like yeah. When you're making those, when the, you're when you're like making those conversations with your casual comic book fan, you know, mm-hmm. I think you know a part of it definitely still needs to be about the art. Being like, lo, look how cool this page looks yeah. right here. Yeah, look yeah. at the art. Mm-hmm. Look at the colors on this. This is like awesome. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's really, I, yeah, I feel like that was really important for you to say that, you know, like, that this is a visual medium and stuff like that. Yeah. So that, like, so they definitely, that needs to be a part of the conversation with both, you know, r- with people who are in it and then people who are just casually in it. Right. Yeah, no, 100%. Because that's just what's going to draw people in. And if you treat, if you treat the art with value, and I think that's another thing, is like yeah. the last couple of years, what we've had is... I think some of the some of the companies have been trying to uh, bring creators in on the cheap. Yeah, you know, and so what you get is if you if you try to be cheap with creators, you get cheap work. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, like, I think a lot of times what you'll see is like art that's not very captivating, or someone who's just trying to make a deadline, or someone's like, or, or a person who's probably a great artist on their own time, but now they have a thirty month cycle and they're just trying to crank something out. And it's just not all that interesting to look at, you know? So, and I think there's a bunch of, uh, so there's, there's various layers here. I think it's in terms of what you pay the artists 
you know, um, also just how you promote the book in general. Uh, and like, you know, I also like kind of loathe this practice of having a different artist on the cover than the artist that's in the, that's on the, uh, interiors. Yeah. Um, cause I think that it's also kind of like a bit of an okie doke, like, cause I can think of so many times where I've just, I've picked up a book because of the cover and it's been an artist that I knew was a great artist. Like, you know what I mean? And then I open it and I'm like, oh wait, this isn't him. This isn't her. <laughs> what happened? You know what I mean? <laughs> Right, like what the hell happened? And like I like I like there's a I have a James Stucco book and he's got a collection of covers he's done and like I'm looking at some of these covers and I'm like, you know what? These are great covers and the 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 concepts on these covers are fantastic. But I guarantee you that what like he drew for that cover doesn't actually happen in the comic book itself. <laughs> right. You know right. what I mean? Or at the very or 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 of course, like I just said, He's not even in the comic. Like he doesn't even draw the comic himself. You know what I mean? So I think that makes a huge difference. Like I think that like we really have to embrace the visual side of this and like really kind of examine – just look at the history of it and just kind of examine like what gravitated people towards it. And I look, I write comics. Yeah. I can't draw anything. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like I write comics. I write about comics. I, I am a writer and – yeah, I, but at the same time, I understand that this is a visual medium, so it's insane to me that like we aren't embracing that more or embracing that correctly. No, but you know, speaking of like the visuals on comics, one thing I've liked recently that Vault Comics has been doing is been mm-hmm. putting that small synopsis in the back of the the back cover of each cover. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I like that because you can look at it and yeah. just from the outside and get mm. an idea of what the comic book is about. Right. And I feel like that's that's like a, just a really cool thing to, for people who are just out there not knowing what they want, you mm. know, along with like the, the cool, like, like, um, like cool artwork, you know, I feel like that little synopsis really helps from the outside. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, that's an idea, of course, they stole from novels, right? Like, Right. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, but I mean, there's a reason that it's there because, you know, well, novels have to do it because novel, novel covers aren't typically all that cool. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> no. And like, <laughs> but you know, so it, you have to flip it over in the back and see what this is really about if you don't know what it is. And I think that that's, again, another, it's, I mean, honestly, it's a visual trick. It kind of is, even though it's using words, it's still a design choice. You know what I mean? Right. A visual design choice. So again, like embracing the visual aspects of it, pulling people in. Like really selling them, selling them on your content. From, you know, from your position, from, you know, what your job is and Mm -hmm. with so many comic books that are, you know, are out these days and come out each week, you know, Mm -hmm. how, you know, what's the best way for any company, whether it's, you know, these smaller companies, the bigger companies, or just, you know, DIY creators, like, What's the best way to stand out? Uh, I can only tell you – well, I can tell you what I've noticed is that um, uh, a lot of comics these days, um, when you look at the synopsis, like we were just talking about the synopsis on the back cover, but a lot of like – you know, we have our previews catalog that we put out every month, and and and, and each book has a synopsis of what it's about. Yeah. And so many of those books, I, like I just, it drives me nuts. So many of the titles I see in there are mysterious thing happens to this mysterious guy, and then he has to solve a mystery. <laughs> 
And it's just like, I don't want to read that. I don't care about that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's that it's that J.J. Abrams mystery box thing that dr- kind of drives me nuts because, like, it's it's dangling a carrot in front of you on the hopes that you'll want to stick around to the end. And, I, you know, I look, Stan Lee was smart for a reason. And, like, well, and that wasn't just Stan Lee, but he was kind of a carnival barker. And that, like, you know, the, the sensationalism that went on the cover – told you everything that was at stake. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so like and I like I know he didn't create this concept of like, you know, the the uh, the of text on the page and like, you know, all that stuff, but at the same time he was better at it than most people. And I think that like, you know, that needs to come back as well. Like you need to like you need to have covers that shout at people. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like art like visually just in terms of what the artist is doing, but also just in terms of your wording. Right. So, did I answer your question? Actually, I don't know. Oh no, no, you, no, you totally did. Totally did. Okay. <laughs> it's how do in we're we're in this time now where you know you have these huge movies about you know comic book heroes and whatnot, mm-hmm. and I'm not you know I'm not sure if that necessarily ever equates to you know comic book readers like being born out of any of that but how you know from your standpoint from a marketing standpoint how you know how do you try to at least get even like a trickle of that business from how big like an avengers are or black panther or stuff like that Mm -hmm. you know how do you how do you use that success to try to get more comic book readers out there so, so the funny thing about this is that, like, uh, so I do a show here we call Previews World Weekly. It's on YouTube, and we basically just like a thirty-minute show. We just basically talk about the world of comics that week, yeah, and all the things that are comic book adjacent, right? Um, or a handful of things are comic book adjacent. We try to keep it focused on comic book stores and not so much like comic book movies and all this other stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, the interesting thing about this is we have a segment we do every month, every week, uh, called Social Swamp, and one week. Uh, and it's basically we, we ask our viewers a question and the viewers respond. And then we do the responses on the show. And uh, one week we did one where we said, how did you get into comics? You know, just a very simple question. And I was surprised by how many people came in from comics from outside media. And and that's like cross and that's across several generations. I had several I had a handful of people who are saying like, I saw Spider Man as Amazing Friends, or I saw Superman the movie, or I saw Batman nineteen eighty nine, or I watched the X Men cartoon. You know what I mean? Or I saw Spider Man in two thousand two. Like people like you know. So I think there is a correlation there, but it's like it's like uh, you know it's like anything. Like there's going to be like this uh, 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 attrition. Like, you know, there's going to be this, this, this trickle down that's going to happen because of it. And so like, you're not going to get $1 million, a uh, billion dollars worth of Captain Marvel viewers to pick up a Captain Marvel comic, <laughs> right. but you might be able to get a couple of hundred, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or a couple of, a couple of thousand, or maybe a couple of thousand, you know what I mean? And so like, I think that like that, and so there is, there is a direct link and I think that it's a healthy link. But I also think that at that point, it's on the responsibility of the publishers to kind of keep them there, you know. And I think sometimes uh, the tactics that like some of the publishers use don't always work out, uh, don't, don't always make it easy, like you said, for, for new readers to want to stay. 
And that, that goes back to our whole vinyl comparison. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like giving them, I think that there's, there's an importance, there's an importance in, I just came out of Avengers Endgame, right? And I am high on this idea of the Avengers and time travel and like, I want something just like that. You know what I mean? Can I get that at a comic shop right now? Right. You know what I mean? And it doesn't have to be exactly a time travel story, of course, right? But yeah. I think that like, if someone was coming into a comic shop right now, I'd be like, yes, you can pick up Jason's Aaron, Jason Aaron's Avengers, and you'll probably get that same kind of feeling. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that uh, uh, my job isn't so much to make sure that those people get funneled from the movie theater to to the comic shop. Yeah. But but to make sure that I'm maintaining their interest as the movie's coming out, so that they're curious about what else these characters are doing. Because my attitude has always been. Like, um, my attitude has always been the movies are, if, if, if the movies are the adaptation, like they're the Hollywood version of, of the real life, the real life adventures of these characters. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's almost like the difference between watching, reading Malcolm X and watching Malcolm X. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. Like, you know, like Superman isn't Christopher Reeve. That's the Hollywood version of Superman. You know what I mean? But Superman, the real Superman, is in comic books, and his life story has been being been play been uh, playing out for over eighty years. Right, right. And so you kind of have to like maintain that interest in that. Like, and I think you know, tapping into the history of the character, uh, letting them know what's con- currently coming out and what what stories also past and present also kind of will give you the same kind of feel of the movie you just saw. I think is also important. Um, one thing I think that like, I would like to see more of is, um, just reminders at comic, uh, to reminders before these films to go to your local comic book store. Oh yeah. Like, I think that like, even if it's just like the, uh, little stills that they play before the movie, or if it's just a full blown commercial, like, you know, especially now that these like companies like Marvel and Disney are like, you know, part of the same, part of the same entity. Like, you know, like, I feel like that should be easier now. Like, you know. DC and Warner Brothers have always been the, part of the same entity, you know? And, like, to just see something that says, hey, before you watch this movie, remember this is a comic book. And remember that you could pick up the further adventures of these characters every week at your local comic book store. So I think that's something that, like, probably I would like to see more of. But, I, right. you know, I don't... Is that in Diamond's hands? I don't really think so, because, again, we're talking about other people's IPs. But, like... It would be something that I would love to see the big two do for sure. That yeah, that'd be a great idea, and I think that would actually like help you. It, you know, it would at least get you know plant a seed in some people's minds. It would because um, there's some people that don't even know comic books exist anymore. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you if you yeah. just, if you just had that sort of reminder in the mainstream like that when you're actually at the movie. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it might actually plant some seeds in in their mind, and mm-hmm. whether you know whether it's actually in a comic book store or the stuff that goes on online, you know, what's your thoughts about like if someone's like, "Hey, y'all, I went to the Avengers and I love this movie. I love Black Panther," or they like something as com- you know comic book related in regards to a TV show or a movie. But they were looking for something different that was along those lines. You know, what do you, you know, what do you feel like is the best way to get people to 
to you know m- maybe check out some smaller companies or independent artists you know that do stuff that maybe around in that sort of same vein mm. I, I that's that's a tricky one like i think that like i know i've seen uh solicitations and like you know uh ads from other companies that aren't the big two that are like oh it's like you know it's like uh uh this movie and this movie together you know <laughs> yeah um and i think that is useful like i even do that myself on our social media like i'll say something along the lines of if you like uh try to think of a good example i can't think of any good examples right now if you like the tv show the magicians right or you know if you yeah. like now you see me or the magicians then maybe you'll like mark miller's magic order from image comics you know yeah um uh, but like and like, you know, that is technically a smaller title. Like, you know, it's not a Marvel or DC release. Right. You know, um, so like trying to find those comparisons, like cause sometimes it's just a shot in the dark when I do it. Like it's just sort of like I'll read it. and I'm like, oh, OK, well, it's kind of like this and it's kind of like that, you know. Um, but I don't know if that necessarily I don't know if that necessarily works all the time. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. Like I, I, I couldn't really tell you. Right. Like, I think that, like, sure, I think it really just boils down to, like, the publishers, all publishers, should really just have, like, a a, a a crackling synopsis that they can, like, an elevator pitch. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think maybe that's the that's the big thing here is, like, you know, Hollywood has elevator pitch. Maybe comic books need to also be able to really tap into that concept of the elevator pitch can i tell you what the story is about in 30 seconds yes yeah, you know? a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of the creators that i meet at these comic cons they have their elevator p- pitches and i've talked to them a lot mm-hmm. on these podcasts on just at the comic cons about that because i'll be like man you're doing this for like three four days for all these hours talking to all these people man like I don't know how you guys do it, man. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And, it's a lot. And but they all have their like elevator pitches and stuff like that. And um, I remember on one of my uh, episodes um, when I was talking with um, with uh, Victor Dangerous, he um, he he said he's like when you know when I'm talking to these people at the comic cons, you know we're trying to do, do two things. I'm trying to sell my I'm trying to sell me and my product at that particular time, but then I'm also trying to uh, have them come back and and sell myself for the future to where they might see me again next year and remember me and buy the next issue or next book that I have, you know? So, yeah, kind of talk about, like, the sort of, like, what – whether it's in your position or in the creator's position to where, you know, they can market themselves or, you know, do that elevator pitch, how, how important that is. Well, um, I, you know what, I, I'm across the streams a little bit here because I normally don't do, but I can talk about it as a creator. Um, and so like, um, I have a comic, um, it's called fight of the century and like, I've always kind of uh, – we came into it early on saying, okay, what are the things that we're noticing everybody's doing that we cannot do? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And not even necessarily that we can't afford to do it, although that does factor in as well. But also what um, – but also just like what are, what are things that we feel like people are getting tired of? You know what I mean? And so truthfully – look, I'm a black creator. 
Um, and so truthfully, my number one thing going in was like, actually, it's funny. We created we created a, a, a business plan for this comic back in 20, 2014, I want to say. Yeah. And our business plan included we're going to talk about how we're black creators. We're creating. We're trying to diversify the landscape. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna try to like, you know, our our goal is to um, make inclusivity important to the make make uh, is to prioritize inclusivity, like all these things. This was 2014. Yeah. Right. By the time we actually got to the point that we had hired we had a hired artist, hired a writer, uh, hired I'm sorry, hired an artist, hired a colorist, hired an inker, completed the first two scripts. It was already like 2017, right? Yeah. And we were going to Kickstarter. And I looked at my co-creator and I was like, we cannot do the whole diversity inclusivity thing. Everybody's doing it. Like we can't. Right. Like it's just it just sounds like it just sounds like the same 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 thing over and over again. It just sounds like an echo chamber now. Like everybody's doing that. And you know and like you know how I know it's getting tired? Because corporations started doing it. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Like it was one thing when the small press guys were doing it and they were succeeding by doing that. But the minute like and I'm not even talking about like Marvel DC, I'm talking about Coca-Cola and, you know, like uh, uh, Chevy and like, you know, like I'm talking about corporations. Like, you know what I mean? Like started doing the inclusivity diversity angle. And I was like, well, it's tainted now. Yeah. Because now now it's just a talking point. Like it's just this hollow thing that people are saying just to make money. Yeah. And so. And so our attitude was like, okay, look, maybe we don't have to wear this on our sleeve. Like, I'm a black creator. Anybody who looks at me knows I'm a black creator. Anybody who looks at him knows we're black creators. Like, <laughs> right, you know right. I mean? Like, anybody who looks at our artist knows that he's Filipino. Anybody who looks at our, well, maybe not Filipino, but they'll know he's Asian, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and like anybody who looks at the rest of our creative team will know that they're Brazilian. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Maybe we don't have to say that outright. And on top of that, our main character is Afro-Brazilian. Like, you know, so maybe, like, we don't have to say that anymore. Like, maybe that's actual progress. Yeah. And so, like, the idea is there, so what else can we focus on? It's like, all right, you know what? Let's focus on the things that people might find similar to this. So he said Creed, Akira, Blade Runner. Like, you know, uh, um, uh, we just went down the list of things that were inspirations to us and we started pitching it that way. Okay. And so that was the angle we took. And then once we kind of like – and I think the, the useful thing about that was that once we once we kind of like checkmarked all the things that influenced this story, this particular story, we were able to describe the tone of it. Okay. And then it kind of like rolled into – well, okay, it's all right. So, what is what are some of these things have in common? Well, okay, of course, Creed is a is a sports movie, right? So, of course, we've already got that covered. Um, and we were like, what else did we say that we like? Oh, well, we liked uh, we we were influenced by uh, um, I'm blanking now, sorry, uh, Blade Runner and Akira. Well, that's cyberpunk, all right? Yeah. So we tell people it's cyberpunk and it's a sports story, you know. And um, then on top of that, like, well, what else is it like? It was like, oh, there's actually some Frankenstein elements in there. So. Why don't we just tell people it's like Frankenstein? And we're like, okay. So it's like it's a cyberpunk sports story with elements of Frankenstein. And when you tell people that, they're like, what? Right. <laughs> you know? And they go – and they, they then when you tell people that at a convention, they go, really? And I'm like, yeah, that's what it is. And then they look at us and they go, two black guys made this cyberpunk Frankenstein story that's about MMA. And then they pick it up. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. And so, so it's like kind of important to kind of go against the grain. 
you know, because like you kind of have to know when you're just kind of uh, I guess it's a long way of saying you kind of have to know when you're just saying the same thing that everybody else is saying and just be aware of that, you know, and try to find different ways to introduce this concept to people. And I think in doing so, once you start pulling away from what other people are doing and start trying to find your own thing, then you get to the heart of it. Yes. Right. And people will always respond to that. Yeah, and I'm glad you, you you brought up the whole, you know, thing where your original idea was to talk about, you know, being, you know, black creators and mm -hmm. diversity and stuff. And what I've noticed is like, yeah, like the corporations are taking hold of it. But like by now with the corporations saying, you know, being it's, it's happened so much and then what's going on in the media and our society, government. People mm -hmm. from, you know, creators from, like, marginalized communities are, at this point, kind of sick of doing the um, the 101s of whatever they are, you know, Black right, 101, right. Diversity 101, teaching right. people about who they are, you know, when, yeah. at this point, yeah, maybe there has been some progress, so let's just have the work do the talking, and yeah. you can learn from the work, you know, you can see that we're, you know, that you're a Black creator, you know, and just kind of like just sell the work as the work, and then you'll be like, oh, all right, this he's a black creator, you know, and this is, mm -hmm. you know, when and this kind of goes into the next thing, like um, as a creator, and then also just whenever you're, you know, you're seeing these uh, these these top these um, comics to market, like how much how important is it? for there to be like authenticity with the characters and with the characters in relations to these sort of things that you were just talking about, like being black or if it's like mm -hmm. a gender thing or a sexuality thing or whatever that's going on, mm -hmm. how important is like being genuine and you know, authentic with these things that you're creating? Um, so one of the things we did early on was uh, we made sure that we actually hired Brazilian creators to work with us. Um, and I think that made a huge difference. Like, I mean, I have friends from Brazil, um, but at the same time, like, I don't speak, I don't speak Brazilian Portuguese, like, you know what I mean? Um, and like, it was one of those things where, and like, they keep threatening to take me on a vacation to Brazil, which is like, you know, honestly not that bad because they're going to go to the rural side. And, um, like, I think it's interesting I kept pushing for that early on and my creator and my co-creator was kind of like, you know, like, Oh, well we can get this anchor. We can get this. Cause he was trying to utilize his resources. Right. Yeah. Um, and I was like, no, no, no. I was like, we need an anchor. It's like, if we, if we already have the, you know, it's like, we already have the penciler who's Filipino. Right. Um, and like, you know, he's, he nails the style. So I'm not asking anybody to change that, but if we can find an anchor in a, colorist that fulfills that goal fulfills that role and maybe even like you know some additional uh, uh people who can we can pull into the creative process so we got a translator on top of that and we're constantly kind of going back and forth with them to kind of be like is this accurate is this accurate a matter of fact one of the things that our inker has done um is he's kind of gone back and worked out with the penciler like no this area of brazil does not look like this it looks <laughs> like this you know what i mean yeah and like you know, and adding those details to it, which I think is great. And like, he like, you know, he'll do little small things in the background. Like he'll change the wording of a sign or something like that. And he's like, he always kind of asks, is this okay? And I'm like, that's fine. Like, 
you know this better. This this guy who actually lives in the Amazon, which is pretty nuts. <laughs> <laughs> right. But like, um, uh, it was like, you know, but I'm like, that's fine. Like, you know this better than we do. Like, we're trying to just tell a sci-fi story about people punching each other. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But, you know, you, this is like, this is representing something that you live. So we are listening to you. And I think that makes a huge difference. Like, I think that like, you kind of, you have to invite people, you have to invite people into the process, you know? And I, I often struggled with, uh, I remember a few years ago, um, there was a bit of a blow up about Greg Pak writing a storm comic cause he wasn't black or African. Right. Right. And, um, and, uh, I won't go that far because I think that ultimately if you have a story to tell, then you should tell your story. But I think at the same time, what it might've been useful is if you bought on a black or African artist to draw that story. Right. You know, and I think that kind of makes that small difference. Like, yeah, if like, you know, you want to make sure that you're trying to be as authentic as possible, even like these make-believe lands of like, you know, Wakanda or like, you know, where mutants exist and all this other stuff. Like you still want to find something to ground it in uh, just because you want people to be able to like reach out and grab it when they're reading your story. It needs to feel palpable in some way, shape or form. Right. And it's a slippery slope. There's no right answer to it. Like, I mean, there's no simple answer to it. But to me, the simplest answer was bring in creators who understand the culture. Yeah, definitely. It's and kind of going back to like what your like original like business plan was for your comic mm-hmm. and kind of bringing it in today after um, how, how important is it for, you know, different types of people to see that representation in comics these days, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, like, like a young black kid seeing Miles Morales, mm-hmm. or you know, that's that's an easy uh, example. But mm-hmm. you know, with comics being sort of like a good old boys white man club for so long, you know, how how important is it to have those genuine characters? Um, so that like, you know, young kids can see the representation of all sorts. Um, you know, I, I can only talk about, I can only talk about what worked for me. Um, and I remember as a kid, like whenever like my parents gave me something to read or like watch, it was usually because of the representation factor and, or like it has some educational component. And I look. We've all been like six or seven or eight years old, right? When your parents hand you something like that, you're, you're not into it. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, that's just kind of how these things work. Like, you're just sort of like, am I supposed to learn something from this? Uh, I don't want to look at this. I would much rather like watch something else, you know? <laughs> um, but at the same time, I think that like, you know, the culture has shifted. And this is something that I've had to get used to, which is that like the the idea of comic book culture has shifted or like key culture in general has shifted. And so I think that there's an importance in telling universal stories that everybody can grasp onto. Um, but at the same time, I do understand that there's a component, there's an aspect of key culture uh, that really gravitates to wanting to see themselves in the character. Yeah. And, you know, I like I can't poo-poo that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, if that's what you get out of these stories, then so be it. Me personally, I just want a good story. Right. And that's always the angle I've taken. And does it is it nice to have like characters of color in these stories? Yes, because that represents the world. 
and that's how the world that's how the world operates like we're in a we're in a like you know the world is a mixture of cultures you know um one thing that i've always kind of taken issue with is this idea that comics have always been um uh this good old boys club actually and, and uh not not even really to correct you but like this idea that like i think for the first couple of years um as this conversation was really starting to take hold um like in the last like four or five years yeah. like the conversation was that comics have always been about white guys and i you know i honestly can't say that's true because i was reading x-men like you know in the late 80s and early 90s right like storm was the leader of the team like you know she was doing she was having two-part like romantic uh, uh adventures with like forge like you know what i mean like uh, like the the idea that like these things were like it was a, a mix of cultures was a real thing. Like when I first picked up an X Factor comic, Larry Stroman was the artist, right? You know, um, like uh, 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 like you know, Luke Cage had already had already existed. Like I had a crush on Misty Knight in the nineties. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like uh, like all these different characters like came into play. Like when I found out Lucius Fox was responsible for being, building the Batmobile. Like, I was like, oh, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> like, you right. know, so like all these different things, like kind of like factored in. But I think that like, you know, we do have to progress more and more. But I can't really, I guess I can't really, I guess it's a long way of saying. Um, I can't really explain what that means to somebody else. Right. But I can tell you what it means to me in terms of like how it works. And to me, I feel like, you know what? Here. You know, give me one second here. I know this is not good for radio, no, but I'm right. gonna, I'm gonna, or good for uh, audio, but I'm gonna do this real quick because I'm doing a really bad job explaining this, and I don't want the internet to come after me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can always, you know, edit. <laughs> no, it's all good. Let's, let's just be real about this, right? Um, but like, I was watching an interview with Cornell West the other day, and he put it absolutely perfectly, and. It's the thing that I've been struggling to kind of like vocalize, but he kind of like nailed it right on the head. And it was, here it is. It's not just a matter of looking for the one individual who represents. It's about connecting that representation to fundamental transformation. The last thing we need is spectacle, spectacle with no substance. And that's that's ultimately my perspective. It's like the last thing, like, you know, yeah, it's nice to have, like, you know, representation of Miles Morales in the Spider-Man movie. But here's the thing. If that Spider-Man movie had sucked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then we all would have turned our back on it. Like, you know, like, I mean, well, actually, that's not entirely true. But, like, it would have meant less to me personally. You know what I mean? Like, if that Black Panther movie had sucked. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, it would have been like, it would just been like, for me personally, I've been like, all right, well, we'll just, I'm just going to, at least I have Blade. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like that's you know, that's kinda how you have to look at it. Like I, I think that like, you know, there's representation just for the sake of checking off a box. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I think that like there's something more key to that. It's like, is it a story that's going to last? Is it a story that's gonna grab hold? Like, you know, is it this just a flash in the pan so that a corporation can say that, hey, diversity, we did it, you know? Yeah. Or is this something really going to have a foothold on, on the culture 20 years from now? And I think uh, personally, um, I think that that's where um, particularly black film has always been shafted is like uh, these things that we hold dear to our culture was always kind of looked at as less as like, like some sort of lesser form of popular culture. 
right. uh, in the larger mainstream conversation. And so it's, it is nice to finally see that conversation happening in the mainstream and it being like embraced instead of being like, well, you know, John Shaft is just an exploitation movie. You know, or Superfly is just an exploitation movie, you yeah. know, or like, oh, you know, Tyler Perry is like, look, you know, like or or Tyler Perry is just making like, you know, like uh, vanity schlock projects. And it's like, no, no, no. These things have value because they mean something to somebody else. Right. You know, and we have to recognize that. Um, and so, like, I think that, that maybe that's the key thing. here. I'm kind of rambling, but like oh, at the no, same no. time. But, yeah, I think that's the key thing here is like, uh, you know, like. Like, do these things have substance? Like, do they have lasting power? And some people will say that, like, you don't know, you won't know that until 20 years from now. But we exist in a world where Rotten Tomatoes cause something an instant classic. So we do know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like we, we do know when something is actually going to last, that is like going to actually like last from here to eternity, or at least for the next 20 years or whatever it is. So, yes, transform, like, you know, is it a, a uh, a fundamental transformation, like is a spectacle or just or is a spectacle or substance, right? And I think yeah, and I think that's where everybody's trying to go next with everything. Like I was saying before about just people from uh, marginalized communities just kind of being sick of having to teach people how to act in front of them or do the one oh ones about themselves, like. People just want to talk about their work and the substance yeah. that they're behind instead of like having to go back to the beginning and teach people how to deal with trans people or gay people or black people mm -hmm. or whatever, you know. <laughs> so I definitely like agree with that. That's that's probably like the next thing that's gonna that that people want, creators or just, you know, people that just like art in general, whatever it is, is that they want substance out of it. And like you said, like, yeah. There's all those things from back in the day that people hold dear dear to their heart. You know, people love Shaft or Superfly, you know, and all those. And they're, but yeah, they were always kind of looked down yeah. upon by the. Right. But in people these days, they don't want to be like the best, you know, the best black filmmaker or the right. best female filmmaker or whatever. They just want to yeah. be the best filmmaker, you know. They yeah. just want yeah, yeah. that to happen, you know. So I, I think, um, yeah. um, I hope I'm not telling too many stories out of school here, but like, uh, um, I did an interview with Marguerite Bennett and, uh, she was talking about her book animosity and some of this other stuff that was happening and like, you know, in her career and Marguerite Bennett did DC bombshells and a bunch of uh, and animosity and a bunch of other titles. Um, and when we were done with the interview, to me, it was almost a compliment. She, she said to me, she was like, thank you for not asking me what it's like to be a woman in comics. <laughs> yeah. And I like it didn't occur to me that like I, I like I guess subconsciously like I knew that like I wasn't even interested in that. I just was interested in her as a creator. Like, you know what I mean? But like for her to say that, like to me, it was kind of like the bell was like, OK, people are tired of this. <laughs> like people want substance and like you have to give them substance. Like, yeah, you know, you just can't slap a label on and say done. So, yeah, I, I hear that like so often with so many different types of people, whether it's women comedians or mm -hmm. they're always like, Ooh, so what's, what's it like being a woman in comedy and so, or shit like that. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, right, exactly. and people are just, yeah, people are just like sick. They just like, I just want to be an artist. I want to talk about my art, you know, can we yeah, just talk yeah. about that? Like, and in some cases I understand, like there's some people that are 
it's coming from a good place. Like they want to be able to, um, to, to help spread the word about, you know, black issues or mm-hmm. <laughs> trans issues or gay issues or whatever that's, you mm-hmm. know, that people might not understand, but you almost have to like, t- you know, put yourself in their shoes and being like, yo, these people got are always talking about this stuff, you know, let their art mm-hmm. do the talking. Let's talk yeah. about their art and know what and usually just like it kind of happened with us just now, it goes mm-hmm. to that conversation, but through that yeah. person's art, it, it gets there organically instead right. of you just like being given some vague question, like asking some vague question, like, Oh, so how is it like being a black man in comics? You know, You're right. Like, yeah. I, how are you supposed to answer that? And it's just like, just, mm-hmm. just, just talk about your work and it will eventually get to, those issues, if those issues are important to the creator. Mm-hmm. No, hundred percent. And like, I think that like, uh, comics have a long history of being, um, being, uh, 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 the industry that's like the industry that like was where minorities got funneled. Like, you know, it has a long history of that. I was actually at a, uh, uh, um, at San Diego comic-con. Like I was in, I was like watching a panel and, uh, it was, uh, about diversity in the world of uh, entertainment, really. And um, one of the speakers, whose name I'm blanking on right now, um, one of the speakers made a great point. He was like, white people weren't considered white until the 1960s. And like what he meant by that was that prior to the, ni- prior to the civil rights era, when it was uh, politically beneficial, like the concept of white only really meant you were born in America and you were a white, well, you know, you were a white American as we know you, a, Cauc- a Caucasian in America. But prior to the 1960s, like if you were Polish or Italian or, you know, any form of immigrant, right, you weren't considered American. And so and like the interesting thing right. about that was that the interesting thing about that was that like comics were were like peppered with immigrants, like second generation and first generation. And like, you know, and that's how the industry started. It came from, you know, Jewish creators, you know, it came from like, you know, Polish creators, it came from Irish creators, and they were viewed as less than. And the industry, because of it, was viewed as less than. And like, that's why today we still struggle with these, uh, this, this stigma about comics, I think, which is that like comics, they're not novels, they're not movies, so therefore they're not good enough. Right, right, right. You know, and it beca- it comes from where comics started. Like it, it comes from like you know the fact that comics came from immigrants and like people's attitudes towards immigrants back then. But the funny thing about that is comics were also cheap, and comics were also readily available to people. And so what happened was all those all those immigrants who were like viewed as less than, like they were writing stuff for their audience. And that's how you get something like Superman and Shazam or Captain Marvel being like, like selling like millions, like, you know what I mean? Like, I, like that might be exaggeration, but like, you know, selling like, you know, like insane numbers of copies, like, because they were reading those books, you know, like people thought that like comics were free for people who are illiterate, like, you know, like, you know, and like, you know, people thought that comics were for the mentally deficient. Like that was the attitude. That was the attitude that like brought forward or uh, Frederick Wortham. Like, you know, like they gave him the, the, the ability to say comics, comic books appeal to juvenile delinquents and create juvenile delinquency, <laughs> you know, like comic books have always, always been on the ropes and it's because, and they've always been viewed as less than. And a lot of that c- comes from the fact that, you know, people's views about 
culture and people's views about like the people that uh, created that culture. And like, we're still struggling with that today. So, you know, I, when people say that like, uh, uh, you know, comic books have always been a, uh, uh, an old boy. Uh, was, what did you say? A, a, a white boys club, right? Yeah, a boy, a white old boy. Boys club, yeah, right? old boy net, network, white boys club, whatever. Yeah, I like. I kind of have to look at them and be like, uh, "You're talking about Hollywood. You're not talking about comic books." Yeah, yeah. That's that's more or less where I was coming from with that. Like, like mm-hmm. re- in more in recent time, like the sort of I guess people that kind of run the show in certain places. Maybe mm-hmm. there could be more diversity there, you know, but mm-hmm. yeah, it, I guess it's more, you know, when it comes down to like the roots of it all. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. a lot of diversity, a lot of, you know, it, it came from, like you said, very, you know, these, you know, places of like these people who were oppressed in this country, you know, the immigrants yeah. and whatnot. So it did, it did have those strong roots. Right. And like, yeah. And like, you know, like I said, the concept of white did not pop up until the sixties, like until it was politically beneficial. And like that's, and then, then, then anybody who was not a brown person for lack of a better description was white, you know? And it was like, you know, it became, Oh, it's us against them. And that's how you get stuff like Richard Nixon. Like, you know, so I, yeah, I think that that's the, I, I think that comics need to kind of – I think comic creators and comic books need to understand how much of a underdog they are and start fighting back um, collectively, not as uh, – not divided, but collectively. Like the comic book industry like, needs to recognize that like, oh, hey, we've always been fighting against the larger entertainment world, against the mainstream, you know, and we should embrace that. And I think, on the, I think for the most part that spirit is still very much present in comic books. But I would like to see kind of like creators all kind of like come together to kind of understand that more. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of speaking about all that, like here and we're, you know, in 2019, um, there's so much comic book content in Hollywood right now. You know, people are, you know, always losing it about the, you know, new Marvel movies or the DC mm-hmm. movies and stuff. There's always other stuff that's kind of coming out through Hollywood. But, mm-hmm. you know, whether you know whether it's your job with Diamond, and we kind of touched upon this at the beginning when I was like first started like really buying stuff. Like I'm con- like this is so much different than music stuff where I'm like, what has to deal with this pre-order crap and what's <laughs> and like how wh- you know why are they always stressing that and blah blah blah? Isn't it just gonna be there when it comes out? Blah blah blah. So kind of like talk about the like the importance of the pre-order and the importance <laughs> of comic book readers and creators alike sort of like understanding that comics are that underdog and and you know what can everybody do you know just to keep uh to make comic books thrive more um support your local comic shop i think that's like ultimately like the the end game here and support creators um and like you know there clearly is a a a, a geek economy that is very much alive and well um but it doesn't always trickle down to um the source material and i think that that's maybe the key thing here one thing that i have um, that I've tried to vocalize with, uh, uh, within the marketing department of my job, but, um, is that like, I think that people don't want to read now. And I think that that's a big problem. And I think it's part of a larger problem than more, uh, part problem that's bigger than comics. Yeah. 
Um, but at the same time, like, I think that, uh, comics could, could probably do more of an aggressive push to get people to understand the importance of reading, you know? Um, and I think comics can do their part in that. And I know that like, there are a lot of publishers like vault, um, that like are, are appealing to libraries, you know what I mean? And to schools. Um, and I would like to, and like, you know, I know that Marvel has done their part in that and so has DC. Uh, but like, I think that having a push to kind of get more people to read in general is pretty important uh, because like ultimately it could help comic books as well. Now in terms of pre-orders, um, because I think that like, you know, this, this is a cart before the horse type of thing, right? So once people are actually into the idea of reading again, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, you know, and I say, and the reason I say that is because you kind of see it all everywhere, right? Like people read a headline and just react to it. Like, you know, but they won't read the article cause it's too much work. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, you see the, you know, you'll see the, you know, bookstores are closing all over the, all over the place. And like, you know, there's no other way to really look at it in terms of, you know, you could say, oh, it's because of digital sales and Kindle and blah, 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 and this and that, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm like, no, I don't think, I think that's just kind of like a, a red herring. I think the issue here is that people just aren't reading right now. Like people are just not interested in reading because everything's so readily available to them and reading takes time. It takes thought, you know? Um, and, uh, but like in terms of pre-order, uh, just to explain what that is, uh, previews catalog comes out every month and inside that catalog is what's coming out two months from now. And so the idea here is that like you can pre-order anything in that catalog every month and you will receive it in two months. And like, I've had some people like, oh, that's like, you know, why would I do that when I can just like, you know, click on Amazon and blah, blah, blah. But here's the thing. Video games have been doing this for years. It's not a strange concept. And so like this idea that like video games have always pushed people to pre-order, sometimes like a, like a year and a half in advance. And so like if people can get used to that idea with comics, which is just two months in advance, then I think that we might like, you know, be able to shift that. And I think some of that has to do with the language that we use at previews. I think that like, you know, we could streamline the language a little bit more, kind of focus it a little bit more. Um, make it uh, a little bit more accessible to people. And we're about to do that in a big way. Um, we have a thing called Previews Pullbox, which is going to allow people to just pre-order from our website directly to the comic shop. Yeah. Um, and But the catch is currently that it has to be a participating comic shop, which we have quite a few right now that are participating. But like uh, that'll become easier to do as time rolls forward. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the concept behind pre-ordering. And I think that uh, uh, I'll use a perfect example. I know a lot of people are upset about Walking Dead um, uh, 193 in terms of, oh, like, you know, uh, Image Comics put out, didn't didn't reveal that it was the last issue until the day it released. Right. <laughs> and so, like, um, but here's the thing, like, if you pre-ordered it, and you were just constantly pre-ordering or you utilizing your your pull box, you would have gotten the issue anyway. Oh, yeah. So, so you kind of have to look at it like that because, again, we're talking about comics just like vinyl. It's like there is a collector's mentality to it. Like I know that like the speculator market isn't what it used to be, but there's still a collector's mentality to it. I have to have the full storyline. I want – the beginning, the middle, and the end. Like, you know, I want the special edition of this. I want this version of it. I want this. And pre-ordering pre -ordering ensures that. So, Yeah, and I like that uh, recently uh, 
uh, Vault Comics got into it where you can um, pre-order from their website with per- mm-hmm. participating uh, comic book shops. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, you know, and I think that's a really good idea if you could just uh, because that was another thing that I was like confused about, and I'm like, um, and finally someone at, at uh, Vault's Midnight was just like, "Yo, do you do you just want to pull a poll box?" And I'm like, um, "What do I have to do? Uh, mm-hmm. Just tell us the and just tell. I mean, just." Just tell you, just tell you the yeah. the stuff. To, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. Or you could just email us the, you know, here this is our email address. Just email us if you want something to uh, put on your subscription. I'm like, oh, oh that's it. Oh, all right. That's. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's not a it's not a hard thing or anything, but no, like, no, it's very yeah. simple. But yeah, but I but I th- you know I think people you know don't understand how simple it is <laughs> i mean the way i see this like you know you you're on amazon right and you have that that wish list option right yeah. where you're just kind of pocketing stuff away for future purchases or you sometimes you just leave stuff in your cart right yeah and it's kind of the same idea but ultimately like i know i've done this before right you put something in your cart five months from now you go to buy like you know a, a, a headlamp or something like that right and you're like holy crap there's like five things in my cart and you're sort of like, oh, crap, I guess I should buy all this now. Or maybe I should get rid of it. Well, here's the thing. Comic shops make you, like, accountable. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're, you're, you're stowing these things away week to week, month to month, um, so that you can pick it up at a later date. And they will call you and tell you, hey, you missed all these things. And, I mean, truthfully, like, I know that people complain about the price of comics, but at the end of the day, they're $3.99. There's a lot of things that aren't $3.99. Like, there's a lot of things that cost way more. A movie ticket costs way more. Yeah. Like, one movie ticket costs more. And and this is just me, like, just because I, you know, I, I know more. I come from, you know, the music side of things, and I, you know, got to know more about the process of making uh uh, comics i'm like mm-hmm. okay 399 is not bad because i want all these people to make some money if they can right yeah and yeah. charging 50 cents isn't going to make nobody any money no not at <laughs> all not not in this day and age not at all no 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 right so i'm like i'm i'm fine to like you know pay you know a few you know a few bucks for a comic just because i know like and these are comics that i you know I want to support the creator, so I know that's gonna, you know, be better to help support these guys than than charging, you know, fifty cents for it. All right, no, hundred percent. And like, actually, again, to bring up the DC Black Label, um, I think these books are five ninety nine each. Um, but again, you're getting you're getting quality, you know. And I feel I hope that I would want that to be like a a trend that all the publishers would follow eventually. Is like, you know, people complain about oh. You know, this book is three ninety nine. I only get this much, this much story in this comic, and on top of that, there's ads in it. Hopefully, people will start to look at the DC Black Label and take it seriously as time progresses, because what you're getting is like something. It's like okay, it's six bucks, but you really are getting an experience. You know, like you're really getting something that's like trying to immerse you in the story, and it's incredibly effective. And I can't say enough good things about DC Black Label after reading those those three issues of Batman Damned. <laughs> so, you know, like I think that that's Hopefully that's a trend that we'll see kind of like evolve in comics and continue to grow because I want people to get as much bang for their buck as possible, you know. Um, but at the same time, I want creators to get paid. Right. Just kind of, you know, wind things down. You know, you've, you've talked a few times about uh, the DC Black Label, but, you know, aside from the things that 
um, you've created in, in the DC Black Label. Is there anything else that any other titles or any other um, imprints or is there anything that you, you know, really, you know, you're impressed with these days that you would recommend people to uh, check out that they might not necessarily, you know, know about? Um, yeah, I could literally just walk around this room and just see the random comics just kind of <laughs> filtered around. Um, I would definitely actually want to mention um, Ahoy Comics. Um, they're a publisher that kind of popped up in, I think, I want to say in the last year. Uh, they've released a book called Wrong, Wrong Earth, which the best way I could describe it is what if Adam West's Batman walked through a portal and met Ben Affleck's Batman and was kind of like, what's your problem? Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> like, but then, at the, but then Adam West gets trapped in Ben Affleck's world and vice versa. And like, you could just imagine how much chaos that creates. Um, it's a great book, wrong earth. And like, I know that it's in trade now. Um, on top of that, I'm a huge Grant Morrison fan. Uh, he's currently doing green lantern, okay. um, which is a character that I've always kind of had stops and I've always had a stop and go kind of relationship with. <laughs> um, like I've always thought he was a cool character. Um, and Grant Morrison is proving to me why he is a cool character, which is awesome. Like he's uh, basically doing a, a, you know, like the green lantern is basically a space cop. Right. And so what Morrison's approach is you're going to get these little one-shot stories. They're kind of like a police procedural. Imagine law and order, law and order in space. <laughs> right. Right. And but ultimately they I because it's Morrison, I'm more than certain that ultimately these things will build to one big big conclusion that like has a that ties everything together. Um on top of that, uh I would say oh well, I gotta give a shout out to House of X, Powers of X. Um, Jonathan Hickman just jumped back on board the uh, X-Men line and, or just jumped back, uh, uh, at Marvel, jumped, jumped back on board with Marvel and, uh, he's doing the X-Men books right now. And everybody was saying like, oh, it's just another reboot. It's just another reboot. No, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is, it is, he is definitely advancing the story of the X-Men. And the idea here is that like the X-Men have created their own, uh, sovereign nation and, Basically, they're waiting for the rest of the world to blink, and it is pretty cool and very and like just off of one issue the the one issue that came out last week in Powers of X that came out this week, um, it is already like my new favorite thing. Like I'm usually I stockpile comics, right. but like uh, this one I'm like chomping at the bit to read month to month. Outside of that, I'm also reading a book called Prison School, which is a manga. Okay. <laughs> Um, and, um, prison school is basically exactly what it sounds like. It's a bunch of kids, a bunch of teenage boys get busted for trying to break into the girl's shower and they get thrown into a prison within their own school. <laughs> <laughs> and it's basically them trying to break out. Um, it is not for the faint of heart. It is a very much an adult comic. It is, uh, uh, it is basically super bad. Um, uh, a manga version of Super Bad, I'll say, is probably the best way. Or Porky's, depending on how old you are. <laughs> Porky's, um, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Uh, you know, like any any teen sex comedy that you can think of, that's what this manga is, and it's actually pretty fun. Um, outside of that, Guardians of the Galaxy by Donny Cates is also really cool. Um, that's uh, you know, it's it's not the traditional movie team, um, or it's not the movie team because I guess the Guardians of the Galaxy has never been a traditional team. Um, but like, uh, it's a uh, kind of a mishmash of a bunch of different characters who are now being called the guardians of the galaxy because, um, they were all present for the reading of Thanos's will. 
and they got ambushed by Hell, Hella, and um, and uh, now they're pretty much fighting for survival, and that's a pretty cool one. I think they just started a new story arc recently. Nice. Um, so yeah, those are just some of the ones I read. Also, Infinity Eight is another great one. Um, it's about a, a a spaceship that's kind of a cruiser, space cruiser that gets stranded in space, and it's basically about all the different passengers. It's out from a magnetic uh, collection. It's a French comic that they're adapting into English, and it's a lot of fun as well. Oh, awesome. Nice, nice. Yeah. And I always like to um, end my interviews for this podcast with the same question. And mm-hmm. that question is, who is somebody that I could realistically interview for this podcast that would have some great stories or lessons to talk about it can be one person or multiple people um oh man okay um multiple people yeah um i would say uh you might want to talk to maia crown she's from detroit actually okay so she's uh she's in your backyard Uh, maia um runs a a show called MechaCon. um she's uh basically it's her convention that she runs every year um, uh, she also does film festivals and other stuff. She is very much about supporting black creators. Um, so I would definitely talk to her. Um, outside of that, uh, I actually know who I want to hear talk. I want to hear Greg, uh, Greg Elise talk. Cause I'm curious what he'll say in a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, Greg Elise has a book, uh, called, uh, has a book, um, uh, that's out right now. And, uh, he's, uh, been making the rounds on this, on the small press side. Uh, he picked up, uh, I think, a couple of awards at the, uh, like, I think he picked up a Glyph uh, last year. Um, he might be somebody else you want to talk to. And uh, I'll give a shout out to my co-creator, Fight of the Century, Nick Allen, uh, because I'm sure he'll be like, what about me? I know you mentioned everybody else, but not me. Um, yeah, you definitely want to talk to Nick Allen because um, he's got a lot of ideas and, like, he thought he's really happy to share them with you, so... Cool, man. It's been great talking with you, man. So much, like, there's a lot of stuff that I didn't even uh, really know about in regards to the history of comics and kind of, like, the inner workings of it. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, thanks for all the information. And um, before we get out of here, where can um, people go online to either follow you or, follow, you know, get more information about, you know, previews or Diamond? Like, you know, mm-hmm. plug some things. Um, I, well, I would definitely say uh, uh, follow us on uh, follow Previews World on YouTube. Um, I do, uh, pretty much produce all the video content on that, on that channel. Um, and I host a weekly show every week, uh, called, uh, uh, previews or weekly. Uh, we just dropped a new episode today where we talked about like, uh, whether or not classic characters should be, should change for the times. Um, and, uh, we had like, you know, some feedback from, uh, our viewers on that. Uh, so yeah, it's a 30 minute show. It just basically gets you ready for a new comic book day every Wednesday. It gets you excited for all the stuff that's coming out and all the stuff you should keep an eye out and we give uh, suggestions and, uh, you know, I'll give my Instagram a shout out. Um, just follow me at TGA comics. Like I pretty much post, uh, images of just cool things I see uh, in my travels. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, promote my comic and everybody else's comic. Anything that I think is an interesting read, um, I uh, put out there onto my Instagram. It's the account's locked, but I will accept your invite. So that was my interview with Troy Jeffrey Allen. For more information about what he's doing, you can always go to freshofthepodcast.com and there'll be links in the show notes for this episode. Before we get out of here, I want to remind you how you can support Fresh is the Word. 
I am on Patreon now at patreon.com slash Fresh of the Word. And for as little as a dollar a month, you can support Fresh of the Word and all the other podcasts that I'll be doing coming up, including Renaissance Soul and Breaking Records. And for the $3 a month tier, you have access to the Patreon-only exclusive episodes that will have audio from my archives from interviews that I've done for the past decade or so outside of the podcasts. A lot of good stuff there. So go to patreon.com slash fresh is the word. You can also support via PayPal at paypal.me slash fresh is the word. Any dollar counts. Please support. And also I have a bit of a wish list I'm looking for. You know, my budget for a lot of things these days is a little low. So if there's any way I could, you know, people could trade services with me or donate some certain items, uh, please hit me up. I do need some male to female XRR cables, some XLR splitters some good voice recording mics, and a tall camera tripod to use with my Canon Rebel. So if you have anything, please hit me up at djkfresh at gmail.com, and we can try to uh, work something out. And please remember to rate and review Fresh the Word anywhere where you uh, listen to the podcast. It always helps out, especially on Apple Podcasts. And be on the lookout for the two new uh, podcast that I'll be doing, the Detroit Music uh, Podcast, Renaissance Soul, and the all-around music podcast, Breaking Records, coming on later on this month. Uh, there'll be more information about that at freshthepodcast.com to where you can stream, where you can follow, and everything. I'm going to try to put up some trailers for both of those ASAP, just waiting for a few things to get it, you know, to finish up in regards to that. But whole lot of stuff in the books right now. So thank you for listening to this podcast and anything in the future. All right. Goodbye and good night. Fresh is the word.